podcast, everybody. It's been a couple years since the man sitting in front of me has been on this podcast. Too long, I would say. Rupert Guinness, welcome back to the podcast. We missed you. Bonjour, Kelly. Oh, no, we're not in France, are we? <laughs> Where are we? What's going on? We're in Boulder. And um, we're at a place called the uh, Rayback Collective. Having, uh, we just had our dinner and having a glass yeah. or two. Having some sort of lager is what we asked for. No, no piches de rosé. No, no, no. far. No. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think they actually do a do a rosé here. We could find out later. Now, the reason we wanted to, we wanted to hang out uh, this week, well, the reason you're in Boulder is because you are on your way to the race across America, uh, which is something you've been trying to do for a couple of years now, and COVID kind of prevented you from being able to do that. Uh, but now you're here. You're, you're doing a little sort of like altitude prep slash coming back to kind of your origins with American cycling? Yeah, I would say. C- certainly so, Kaylee. Um, yeah, coming back for the, primarily for the Race Across America, which is starting on June 14 in Oceanside in uh, California. But, you know, before the race be- begins, I wanted to sort of uh, come to a place that was close to my heart and a place, place where I had friends. And Boulder is very much a place which is where my cycling journey as a journalist and also, I shouldn't say cyclists, but as a journalist really uh, began uh, back in 1986 uh, when the Course Classic was on. Because it was at the Course Classic then that I met John Wilcoxon, uh, who was then the editor of Winning Magazine, who left Winning Magazine soon after. And then the opportunity came after that, uh, me meeting him that time for me to get the job as uh, editor of the UK version of Winning and go and live in Brussels. And really, it was the start of my uh, my career in professional cycling as a journalist, not as a cyclist. <laughs> so so I, I do want to step back here a little yeah. bit because there are some listeners out there who will know exactly who you are because mm-hmm. they listen to the podcast yeah. through a couple different Tours de France that, that you were joining us for. There are others who have maybe come to the podcast more recently who have no idea who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. <laughs> so let's do, a, let's do a little rewind. Um, well, talk about talk about some of the things we've done together, where it, where you come from. So, to back all the way up, you have done thirty one yep. tours de France, yes, uh, with winning, with Velenews, with a whole bunch of different different titles. The Sydney Morning Herald, I think, was the mm-hmm. one that you were with when when we started traveling together. Um, and throughout that whole time, you've covered well. Everything from the 1986 Court Classic up to uh, your last tour was the last pre-pandemic one, right? Yes, right. 2019 yeah. was the last one. And um, I've covered yeah, 31 Tours de France, I think about 14 or 15 Giro d'Italia's, uh, yeah, bunch of, a handful of Tours of Spain's, Vuelta de Spanias, and yeah, all the Classics, World Championships. Uh, and I, li- I lived in Europe for nine years from 87 to 96. Um so it was, you know, yeah, it's been a great adventure and certainly one that I didn't expect when I came out here to Boulder. Uh, I was actually out here training for the Hawaii Ironman at Kona, which I did in 85 as well. And and uh, I, I did some part-time journalism while I was here to try and pay for the trip. And the Course Classic <laughs> was on and Phil Anderson was here. And it was here where I first interviewed Phil Anderson. Um, and uh, in the subsequent years, we became uh, great mates. So a lot of things have happened here. Velo News. Uh, you know, the headquarters of Velo News was in, was in Boulder. I used to come over here uh, every year to renegotiate 
my contract. Oh, it was, it was a bitter and hard week of negotiating. <laughs> it took about three minutes, and then I thought I might as well stay for, the, for Christmas. I became one of those orphans at Christmas, you know. Oh, what a, it was very hard. And, uh, you know, and then subsequently met uh, a lot of great friends like yourself, Neil Rogers, and, uh, you know, the crew at Cycling Tips here now. So uh, here I am um, on the eve, uh, virtually on the eve of the uh, Race Across America, um, back where it all began. It's been a really, I came here for some, some training, just started my tapering, high altitude sleeping primarily rather than uh, getting a lot of cycling in. And um, just to reattach with what is really, in all seriousness, what cycling means to me. And yeah. uh, it's a very sentimental journey back this week, and that's going to motivate me in, uh, in Ram. I mean, we rode two hours today, and that's one of my longest rides of the year, though. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not for you, though, I would imagine. Uh, maybe not for you. Yeah, we want to talk about... We want to talk about Ram. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that other things will creep their way into this conversation because you and I have known each other now for it's over a decade, actually. I think mm. um, since I showed up as a a 21 year old whippersnapper in in the Velenu's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that, and I remember you had your your. Um your jeans on, your little, not your jeans. Your, I've, I've noticed you still got them on, Kaylee. I was wondering when you're going to get into menswear. <laughs> but I have a little roll. I have a little roll yeah. in my jeans. Yeah. Roop has always made fun of me for it. Oh, we have another beer. Yeah. Here we go. I, I've made fun of you, Kaylee. It's only out of, out of friendship, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. I want to talk. I want to talk Race Across America because mm. we've kind of established well, how you and I know each other, the, the sort of the, the circles that we have run in, the things that you have done in, in kind of professionally. In the last couple of years, though, your your attention has turned quite dramatically mm-hmm. into like, what do you, is it mega endurance cycling? Like, what is the, what is the even term for uh, it? Ultra, ultra, ultra cycling. Yeah, yeah ultra distance cycling. Ultra yep. distance cycling. So you've done, you've, you've ridden across Australia, mm-hmm. you've done 24 hour events, mm-hmm. you've done all kinds of stuff. Ram is... I guess kind of the big one, right? It, it is. It's, yep. it's the it's the highest profile. It's it's all the way across America. Yep. Um, how did this start? How, how did you how did you first turn to yourself and go? I should go ride my bike and never sleep for, <laughs> for like a week. <laughs> well, where do I start? Well, I'll get a move along. Um, I really had no grand plan or vision when it when it began. Like most of the things that that had, I should say, the fortunate things that have happened in my life have have come with little planning. It's just by uh, by opportunity that arises and a, and a gut feel <laughs> and a gut feel at the time that hey, I'd like to try this and um, uh, see how I can go in it. The same thing happened when I joined winning. It was you know on, on the whim of an opportunity and a, and uh, I always wanted to have this. This, this desire to go and go to Europe and experience European racing, just to w- follow one tour, and then then it became my career, and then so here I am now. I, I it, it, ha- it began just at the end of 2016, 2016, when I took a redundancy from the City Morning Herald, um, and um, I was writing a book. Uh, it actually began with with the Indian Pacific Wheel Race that I did in 2017, which was a solo, unsupported race across Australia, five and a half thousand kilometres. It was a long way around, and and it, my entry into that really began through, uh, I was finishing a, a book, I'd written a book that came out in 2018 called The Power of the Pedal, The Story of Australian Cycling. And there was a second chapter called The Overlanders, and The Overlanders were a genre of rider who, in Australia, men and women who uh, rode across a then largely unknown continent in the 1890s, and um, 
they were discovering uh, the interior of Australia that was totally unknown or mostly. And I wrote a chapter about these intrepid souls and I thought, wow, there could be a book on that. I finished the manuscript for the uh, Power of the Pedal book and I saw online an advertisement for the, the first Indian Pacific wheel race and it said, is there the overlander in you? And my first thought was, wow, what, that's the platform to write the book on the overlanders. Do this event, the Indian Pacific wheel race, and sort of relive the story of the overlander. I did that, and uh, that first year I, I, I didn't finish that year's race. It got cancelled halfway through, but I didn't finish it. Mike Hall, the English cyclist, was tragically killed when he was hit by a car. And I've, I stopped in Adelaide halfway through, went home. So I, I, you know, I reconciled with stopping then. I had no, no regrets about that. But 218, I went back and did the Indian Pacific World Race again, or the Indy Pack as they call it, finished that. And then in, in the world of ultra ra- riding or racing, however you want to call it, one of the discussion points was where, what's harder, uh, solo unsupported events or solo supported events like RAM. Yeah. And the journalist in, me, journalist in me thought, well, one way to find out is to do it. Um, you know, so at that time, it was a, you know, uh, a self-motivated goal to do it and to find out for myself and maybe there'd be a book in it for that, to f- come up with some discussion point of what's hardest or not. Um, so I started preparing for, for RAM. But then in this period, which also came when I, I wrote my book about, uh, which, which was called Overlander, it was my book about my experiences in the Indie Pack, and I wrote about, uh, it was actually the last chapter I wrote, because I thought, well, why am I doing this stuff, really? Well, it must be a deeper motivation. And that's where it came back to the mental health issues and the subject of mental health, and I, uh, I looked at myself a lot through that, because these ultra uh, rides really do expose yourself uh, not just physically and mentally but also emotionally and, and, and it, it gave me a chance to reflect on why I do things or don't do things and some of my vulnerabilities. I prefer to call them vulnerabilities and weaknesses because vulnerabilities are areas you've got of growth, potential growth. growth. It's a bit like if, you can't, if, you, if you're a cyclist and you, your, your weakness or your vulnerability is climbing mountains. The best way is to climb more mountains, to get more comfortable. You won't, may not become the best climber, but you can reconcile with yourself about your ability and learn how to get up or face that challenge within your capabilities. So with, if you, with a mental health uh, issue, and I, mine was stemmed about self-esteem, uh, weight issues, body image, um, and I, 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 came down, you know, I was uh, dealing with bulimia, which I still deal with today. Um, and I find the way to deal with that is to uh, recognise it find a way to deal with it and just work my way through it. And that's a positive way forward, not get bogged down in the negativity of what. So I thought, I realised, heck, I've got, a, I've got a platform here through the fortune of my career as a journalist, the delivery of messaging. Um, I am an independent uh, journalist. I'm not bound by uh, any specific media group. So my voice is my independent voice and feeling. And, and I've had the fortune to now develop a, a platform to... Uh, pursue my own interest ram i do have my own single motivation because you have to but i also recognize i have a platform here to to deliver a message of to try and inspire people to be to find their own inner strengths to be willing to dare if they want to do something don't be afraid to try it um to if you if you are dealing with uh issues uh if they're dissimilar to what i have all the same don't be afraid to talk to people about it um, there's no shame in it. It's, it's the first step after recognising uh, a challenge that you may face mentally is to uh, see, you know, reach help. But also another part I've discovered in the last six or eight months is with, uh, with, it's, with support networks, 
don't over-rely on support networks to provide the answer. At the end of the day, it's up to yourself as an individual to use that support and resources or source have been put in, but you still have to be accountable for how you move forward. And that comes back to your own inner strength that you can hopefully garner through this whole process. And for me, this this is a long, I'm talking about a lot of stuff in a couple of minutes, but for me, it's been a real long journey. I'm still discovering this myself. And through my platform that I'm doing now, and I hope in RAM, the discovery will continue. My discovery will continue. And it will continue right through RAM and long after, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I was, you, you sort of already started touching on this, but my next question was going to be, like, what is the connection between this particular type of cycling hmm. and mental health for you? I mean, clearly it's, it's a mentally taxing yeah. type of cycling, but like, what, what is it, now that you've experienced a number of these events, like, what is it about these that, that ties the two things together for you? Um, well, first thing I should say, what, what ties these things together is... is it's what ties it for me. I'm not saying you have to go and race Ram or do IndyPack or ride across the continent to find your your um, path, your, the, 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 the platform for your pathway forward. Yeah. It could be just to get off the lounge chair. It could be to go for a 10K race. And I'm not saying one is better or more impressive than the other. What is equally as impressive is, is I'm not saying I'm pretty impressive, what is really <laughs> equally as important is taking um, ownership of your destiny and stepping up metaphorically to move forward from um, from a difficult situation. That strength you can find, and I think people do have that without knowing it. I think we all have it. But if you can just move forward, that is already a success because you're moving forward. So what I find why, where these events tap into my um, – what I love about them is also what I hate about them. But one of the things I know in ultra riding in a day, let alone a 12-day 12, day, 12 days of RAM or those type of events is – you're going to bottom out uh, several times over, like not just physically, but emotionally, um, to the, where you're on, where you think you're on the brink, and that's always relative too. What you think is on the brink is not always you're not really on the brink sometimes. But when you think you're bottoming out, how you get out of that that trough of despair, hope, uh, physical strength, but there is always a way out, and you can come out of that. And the, the, the sense of strength, you empowerment, you get out of that is is it's, it's a huge buzz. But I, you know, even reporting on endurance sports, which I've already, I have a lot more of a, an attachment to than, than uh, sports like ball sports or, you know, fast sports. Uh, the, the, I've always been fascinated by the athlete who's at the back of the pack, struggling to finish in the time limit in the Tour de France. What gets them through in a day? There's something inherently they're dip, dipping into. Through ultra-distance cycling, I get the opportunity to find out for myself that. And it's, it's horrible getting there to that point. But it's magnificent getting out of it, and um, and that helps me uh, in the long term off the bike too. So, the suffering is what I hate. The suffering is what I love when I come out of it, because I think it gives you a bit of a bit more confidence. And as I said, self esteem and confidence has been a massive um, uh, issue for me to deal with, and it's still I still have to deal with it. So, it's a very it may sound like a airy fairy sort no, of makes uh, perfect answer, sense. but it's a yeah. It's 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 kind of a in, in a twelve day period, you you go through so many emotional highs and lows. It's like a microcosm of life. Like you, you, you know, yeah. you, you, we all have have highs and lows in life, and and troughs and mountains, and mm. you're going to go through all. Well, you've been through all of them and things like the indie pack, and you're definitely going to go through some yeah. some literal troughs and mountains. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the other thing that I, I would recognize too that 
these events are the events I sign up for. So, so my my suffering that I go through in an event is it's, it's suffering that I've, I've willingly signed up for and I expect, and and and, and it's, it, it probably pales into insignificance compared to obviously I would say to the suffering where there's millions of people out there who's suffering they didn't they don't sign up for, and life has really given them a, a, a crap sandwich. And so my suffering is nothing compared to the people who are suffering from, um, you know, well, you know, through, through circumstances that are no bringing of their own. So I would never compare what I'm, what I go through to what um, those people go through. And that's just something only fate can ever hand me if it happens. Yeah. So you've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years. I mean, you, you've spoken a lot about mental health. You've spoken very openly about it. It's you know. Like you discussed, you discussed it in your most recent book quite a bit. Um, what's that experience been like? Sort of talking about talking about that, you know, those subjects so openly. Has it been helpful for for you personally, or, or yeah, at times hurtful? Like, how does, how does that? How no, does it's, that feel? it's it has helped me a great deal, you know. And I think it just you know reinforces to me the belief that by talking to people, uh, you, you you can. Um, you may not find the solution in, out of talking from people, but you can certainly uh, decompress uh, or release a lot of the inbuilt uh, knot that your mind can get caught up. And if your mind is unknotted, uh, you, you can be more rational with your circumstances and everything. But I think also talking about it, um, I mean, obviously I talk about it publicly for, for a second. One, it helps me, but two, um, if it can, keep the discussion on the table. Um, like what I, my, my the initiative we, I have now is called Power of the Pedal, connecting people, connecting minds, because it's really taught me that, that, that the importance of talking to people is, is there. And I want to stress, we're not a charity, and everything we've done has had nothing to do with raising funds. And there's a lot of great organisations who are doing that. All we're trying to do, or I'm trying to do, is is just to keep the discussion going. And and if 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 what I talk about can uh, make other people feel more comfortable in talking about it. Uh, that to me, that's the barometer of, of, of progress we make. Um, we're not a charity, but I think you know we, we play you know a, a handy role in the massive jigsaw puzzle of me- mental health. And I think um, that's something through the fortune, you know, through the fortune of the support network I have, and I've been blown away by it, particularly as we're leading into RAM. Um, not just in Australia, but, you know, here in the US since I've come here, you know, and being here in, in Boulder and, and I know in Europe, you know, it's, it's, I'm very fortunate to have that support. Um, so if there's some imprint that can be left from it, it's not just my result. Yeah. My result, the, the irony is my result in RAM is not going to determine really what the success of this whole project is leading up to RAM. It's actually the, uh, us getting to RAM as a team because I've got my t- team as well. It's not yeah. a, I'm a solo entrant. But there's no way you can finish RAM, um, you know, without a team behind you. And, um, you know, it, but it's, it's the imprint is, will be left by what, by what a lot of what we do leading up to the start, yeah. what we've done. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing, Kaylee, that just where it ends, I don't know. Uh, you may know before I know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> if you know, can you tell me when I should stop or not? <laughs> well, Rup, I mean, I, like I said at the start of the episode here, a lot of folks who are out there listening are going to are gonna recognize you from our conversations at mm. the Tour de France, which, frankly, feel really different to this, right? Mm. They're, they're, they may be in a similar setting, <laughs> in a French version of where we are right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with similar drinks in front of us, but 
very different topics. So can you talk a little bit more about kind of some of the things you've been through so that you can, it, it, it's the context that, that, that people need for like kind of the rest of our conversation yeah. here. Well, I guess, you know, earlier I mentioned how when I wrote that book, um, uh, The Overlander, about my first uh, ride across Australia um, in the Indie Pack, and, and I wrote this chapter after the book, after I'd written everything else. And that, to me, that was a turning point in, into what's, why, why do I do it or why have I even started this? Because my why, I've come up to the determination, the why is not never finite. Yeah. The why evolves as, I, as my journey evolves. That's one thing I've just come to terms with in the last couple of weeks, to be honest. It always is changing, you know. But where it all began... Um, was like when I was a kid, attacker in Sydney. Uh, I was a roly poly kid. I was never good at the cool sports. The cool sports were the ball sports, cricket, um, tennis, uh, oh, the, the the fast sports, yeah. all those sort of you know sports. So they were the cool sports, right? So uh, and then even in the one ball sport I played, rugby union, uh, my position was tight head prop. And put it this way, no one ever passed the ball to the tight head prop. <laughs> Anybody but the last, the tight head prop was always the, so I was never. I think the baseball equivalent is like left field. Okay. Not left field. Okay, yeah. yeah. People would say I do come out of left field too sometimes. <laughs> in other words. But that's, that's where. A lot right of, field? I don't know. I don't play baseball. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> and and um, um, that was a point which, which, which uh, where a lot of what happened began. Um, which I probably wasn't aware of at the time, but when I was a roly-poly kid, you know, a couple of years went on and then um, um, my name was Meatball. The name was not given as an insulting way, but Meatball, you can get the picture. Uh, then I tried to steer myself to, in this pursuit to try and do, find something which I could be good at and which was probably going to be something that not a lot of people did because it was probably something which... But it happened to be endurance, uh, endurance sports. So I became a rower. And I, I was a pretty good rower, you know, and, and, and after I finished school, I continued rowing, um, but I was too short to be a good heavyweight rower, so I was, um, I was uh, encouraged to, be, to become a lightweight rower. Lightweight rowers, you had to weigh in like jockeys and boxers before fights. There was a minimum weight, and yep. so with that, you had to watch your diet, watch your food intake. In the early 80s, there was very little uh, education about nutrition and the impact of nutrition on performance as well let alone your health generally. And um, I was someone who obviously liked a good feed and um, I struggled to get down to weight, but I liked a good feed. And then this sounds idiotic, but I just thought, what's an easy way? And so one day I remember, I can still picture it right now. First day I put my head over a toilet bowl and stuck my finger down my throat after a massive meal and forced it until my dinner came up. And this sounds a bit grotesque, but it's the reality, Kaylee. My whole... Entree, dinner, the dessert, this flowed out like lava. Okay, it's a bit, I don't mean to, but that's what it was. I thought, wow, that was easy, that was simple. I can do this every every Sunday night. I, and I'll be back on weight Monday for the scales, we'll go through the thing. And then it, then it very quickly developed into something as a habit. And then it became, I became obsessed with the scales. I became obsessed with every uh, ounce of food I would eat or drink. I, wouldn't, I, I started thinking, gee, a glass of water, that's going to weigh something. And I would regurgitate that. Um, and I often, uh, I often uh, associate it like if, if you're walking down a dark alley at night and, and a mugger comes out from the shadows of a tree and mugs you, 
and you hear you know, when you hear people talk about how time slows down, but you remember every second it happens. You wonder how does this happen? That's what bulimia is like to me, and it still happens sparingly now, thank goodness, because I've worked out trigger moments. But it happens, and next, you know, I have my head over a toilet bowl, and as soon as I do, I feel absolutely um, devastated. My self-esteem is lost because I think I've, I've, I've surrendered to this bastard of a condition that's affected me for the best part of 60 years, you know, and so what do I do? With it? I'm, I'm back at the bottom of the, of the ladder again, working on it again. So it is, and then a lot of those times when it happens, it's one of the other issues in my life, uh, whether it's stress or whether it's uh, disappointment or something, I'm feeling bad. It's always associated with that, and and you know I know with sort of, and I guess with with these sort of conditions, there's no quick fix to it. I can tell you, um, there's maybe there is no fix to these conditions, but there are things you have to work on. You just fight all the time. You have to fight all the yeah. time, and I know there's other I, I, um, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or uh, everything. It happens, and um, uh, so people often see me as the happy-go-lucky guy the bon vivant but um you know i do have my demons that i'm that i uh yeah i do wrestle with and that's the cold hearted reality moment yeah i mean i think we all do right yeah. like yeah I mean, it, yeah i mean I, i'm i'm one of those people right like we mm. we spent six seven eight years together mm. in a car every july for a month yep. you know hanging out having beers and 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 i never knew i never, never knew any no. of this right until i read your book yeah and, and then that like that for me was a, a um, an eye opening moment mm. in that yeah I just I I never knew mm. uh, I never knew this entire side of you and I think mm. that's why it's so powerful and so important what you're doing over the last couple of years and why like why I wanted to do a podcast with you is because it, it, it's it's genuinely like yeah we can talk yeah. about bike racing all we want and yeah. it's irrelevant <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's certainly it's a level all of a sudden you know you found something that is mm. that is like has real not just impact on yourself but impact mm. on other people and everything else so yeah first and foremost there was, there was another element which 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 i'll add um and i've never actually uh i've never actually mentioned this before um i was i was sexually assaulted when i was a kid about eight years old mm-hmm. and um I think that impacted me more so. I think I've started to realise the impact of that more so in recent years than obviously at the time. Um, and that was also around at the time when I was the roly-poly tighthead prop, feeling pretty low about that. And and I and the, the thing I would add about that without going too much detail, um, and I still remember that moment specifically, it was only, it was only you know, 50 metres from my home. And that was, you know, just, you know, you hear this, this yeah. sort of stuff. And I remember I didn't tell my dad because I, I, I had some feeling of shame that really uh, it was my fault. So I never told him for two years. And then it was just something came up on the news one day. And I remember I conveniently said, oh, dad, remember that's what happened to me. And obviously I knew I'd never told him. And he was furious about it because it happened to him when he was a kid. And you think, you now I look back on that and I think, wow, the ramifications of all that. And and a lot of what my guilt I felt with after that was, it was also if I had said something then, that 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 man uh, who did to me, what did he? And he got away with it because I said nothing. I was an eight-year-old though. I know now that was not. Uh, I was, I'm not the criminal, but I felt a guilt that if I had said something then, perhaps that could have stopped that man. Uh, I don't know what he might have done or what he did afterwards to anybody else, but. 
that was something that um, we, we certainly impacted me too. I, and I didn't, I never, I didn't write about that in the book, The Overlander. I, I was wrestling with that, whether to do it or not. And I actually remember near, before we went to publication, uh, told my editor because I hadn't told her about it. I didn't know whether it included or not, and, and um, I wish I had it included earlier. But it is an important part of the jigsaw puzzle. But I've only realised in recent months that really I think that had a major impact on my uh, lack of confidence and self-esteem, which has rolled over in the years. So um, I want to say it now because not because it's. Uh, I want to say it now because I think it is an important part in the jigsaw puzzle of my mind, and and. Um, you know, again, if it can help people who've gone through the same thing. And, um, again, talking out, speaking to people. I mean, everyone has their demons, right? That's, yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the, that's the and, message that you've been giving is that, like, yeah, this, this, this surface that we see hmm. is not, it's not everything. It's not and everything. That, and you have to remember that in every, in every interaction yeah. that you have, really. And, if, and yeah. if, you, if you are assaulted, you're not the criminal. And that's one of the criminal consequences of those things is not is, is obviously the, the, the physical crime committed upon you, and it's the immediate emotional crime. But also the other crime is that that guilt that those criminals put on you to carry. Yeah. So how do you how do you naturally? And, and, and there's no answer to say how do you naturally just turn a switch and go. Well, what you do is you go and speak to someone. It's bloody hard. And this is the, like I said, this is the first time I've publicly mentioned it. I'm 60 yeah. years old. I was eight years old at the time. So. It's, What's my math? Six, fifty-two years. Now that's 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 wrong. That people can get away with yeah. it. I don't, I don't know what happened to that man later, but um, uh, again, it's about it comes back to talking to people, yeah. and whether it's a whether it's a mental condition or a, um, uh, a condition of health such as bulimia or sexual assault, um, uh, they're all hard issues to deal with, yeah. and um, just would encourage people not to. Don't be ashamed to talk about stuff, mate. So, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I, I really do. Like it's, it's amazing what you've been doing the last couple of years. It's, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. It really puts, it, it puts the stuff that we normally talk about in this podcast in, into perspective, man. Like it uh, really does. I mean, yeah, yeah. But so well, I mean, you know, we we have a great platform with what we do in cycling, and it's a beautiful sport and. And it brings significance to, you know, like we talk about, you know, me coming back here to Boulder before I do race across America and, you know, I'm going to do put every bloody heart, bit of heart and soul, you know, in what I've got. And I know yeah. my support crew are going to too. And, um, you know, if, 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 if I want to put everything into this and every bit of emotion and heart and soul into it. So, uh, you know, I'd, I want to get that, get the messages out there. Before. You know, I want to put that story out. I want to put the, my story out there yeah. in, in, its, in its full. And that was a missing part of my jigsaw puzzle of what I've been explaining about. But it's only been recently that I've sort of got a step closer to figuring it out. And I'm not there to the end yet. That's, yeah. but that's, that's not a negative thing. That's an exciting thing too because you don't know what's ahead. You know, like life is a discovery, self-discovery, and it can have its challenges, but... Uh, I think when you discover something and you can get your head around a, a complexity in your life, that's uh, that's a lot of the satisfaction to come from, and, yeah. and you do feel better for it. You know? yeah. So I thank you, Carly, for for what we do in the podcast, and and uh, and also for the platform tonight to be able to sort of. Uh, I guess we've gone a bit deeper than normal. <laughs> 
Well, you know, but it's important. Let's let's talk a little bit. Let's. Talk, I, we came here to talk about Ram. Yep. I mean, this yep. this is what we've just been talking about is why you're here. Yeah. Really, it's it, it's the the it's the reason you do this thing. That the, the reason why you suffer. The reason why you love and hate the suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it is it is the reason why you're you're sitting in front of me right now. So let's let's talk a little bit about what you're about to do mm. before we do i would like you to just let people know where they can where they can follow you like w- like yep. social media uh dot tracking like all wh- where yep. can people follow you over the next because we should say that it starts on the 14th of june yes uh so In- we'll post this obviously well before that um but from that date where can people follow this um well we'll we'll, we'll have uh we'll have uh on my Instagram, yep, Rupert Guinness. Everything will be up on there. There'll be there'll be uh, Guinness like the beer, easy to spell. Yep, yep. Rupert <laughs> Guinness, G U I double N E double S. And um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have um, uh, live. Well, we'll have live updates yep. on there throughout. Um, and uh, we're going to have uh, there'll be you know, video from uh, from yeah, from us yep. live updates. There'll also be um, shared. Uh, updates from uh, that, that will be on the sbs.com sbssports.com uh, website that's an Australian television network and um, those will also come out on my Facebook Guinness, and Twitter uh, we'll also um, be able to and, and we'll put out the, the, the best dot tracking system the link yep. for that beforehand and uh, the Race Across America has its own website as well yep. uh, ramraces.org and but really, the best place to go to would be our Instagram, and because yeah. uh, everything will disseminate through there. We'll 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 post something as well on the on Cycling Tips. Um, probably like right as you kick off, we'll we'll post the the dot. I think um, I don't know exactly what that will look like yet. We'll have to figure out what we can access, but <laughs> make it a pretty dot, will you? Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. Anyway, like I said, starts on starts on june 14 so mm-hmm. as of today today is saturday the 4th you got 10 days until until you yep. set off from san diego yep. and you will need to get to annapolis maryland yep within is it 12 days exactly well yeah it starts in oceanside near san diego uh the time limit is 12 days to finish the the he was talking in kilometers here 4,900 kilometers and it finishes in annapolis in uh maryland yep uh, just near Washington, um, you've got to finish in twelve days. Uh, there's a couple of tra- uh, a couple of the uh, time check marks uh, marks you have to pass within certain time checks as well. Otherwise, you get eliminated. Uh, Durango being your home, there's one near my hometown, being the first one. You got to get there. Got to get there. So that's the first <laughs> first goal. Um, and uh, I know there's 33 solo entrants, so I'm one of those 33. There's a, a bunch of teams as well. It's 33. There's yeah. A, I guess only 33. I guess it's, it's kind of the also, yep. thirty-three crazy people there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, yeah. both, I'm shocked in both directions. Actually, yeah. that it is that it is that small and, 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 and also that big. Yeah, and yeah. you got to qualify. Right, you got to so qualify. How did you qualify with with IndyPac or what? What did you? Yeah, look, I, I qualified when I first uh, look. I've qualified a few times now officially. I, I first qualified. Not that IndyPac was not a qualifying event, but I put a case forward that right. my IndyPac experience. Because there is a clause in the in the laws there that if 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 you haven't qualified through uh, an official event. You can put a case forward for qualifications. Right. I, I put a case forward through my experience in the two indie packs I did, uh, but I've since qualified uh, for Ram um, 
uh, one, two, three, four times, uh, three times through. Well, one time we did the virtual race across America yep. when it was cancelled in 2020. I qualified through the vir- virtual RAM. I qualified through uh, virtual Revolve 24. That was a 20. 24- remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done Revolve 24 in its real, um, in its real form. Uh, three times, but I qualified once out of those three times. So, so just just for for our listeners out there, the virtual Revolve Twenty Four yes. was was sitting on a trainer for twenty four hours. Well, virtual Ram was sitting on yeah. a home trainer for twelve days <laughs> in a garage. G Brothers Mercedes in Monovale, very good. Yeah, they sell prestige Mercedes cars. And I don't know how the hell they're able to sell prestige Mercedes cars when there's a stink bomb in the room next door. But I saw a lot of people come in and out with Mercedes cars, so it must have worked. <laughs> that was that was the Maybe craziest. Not their best marketing effort was having you sitting there for t- I think on it was day the- seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we had to have this, the uh, the, uh, the the air freshener sprays put out there after day three. We thought we could be a bit, a bit of a liability for the support sponsorship. G Brothers Mercedes are on my official Ram jersey here now. I see, I see a Mercedes logo. There, there they are. Yep. There they are. Yep. They're one of the loyal people who support us <laughs> from the craziness of the start. No, oh, they've been very they were, you know, it was that, that was a that was a uh, uh, that was batshit crazy event that was. That was oh, a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. 12 days on a home trainer. <laughs> we had it actually set up like Ram. We had the motorhome behind me as well uh, to try and simulate a, a, I'm lucky a Ram. I'm if I can get to an hour. <laughs> 12 days is 12 days is, yeah I remember when the event started we actually started with a you know there was a big excitement to the beginning and uh, the all the people who entered around the world had to start at the same time so our, for us it was 11pm at night on a Saturday night so it was all the pre-race tension the build up the excitement we played the national anthem through an iPhone and everyone was there and then it started and suddenly at about 10 past 11 everyone else was going oh time for bed now and by 20 past 11 I'm there going well I've got 11 days 23 hours and 50 minutes to go and it was all dark the novelty wore off very quickly but we hung in there and 12 days later we finished god yeah anyway but I'm not underestimating Ram's going to be it's going to take me to new levels. That's of- probably a, a, a larger physical test than that, but maybe maybe a similar mental test. To be perfectly honest, no, I, I mean, think in all I totally yeah. respect Ram. Is you know that's going to be the peak, the peak of all this this yeah. whole this whole journey thus far, at least. Um, so how how have you kind of prepared yourself? I mean, you obviously prepared yourself physically. Like you've got a coach. You you've been you've been doing yep. the doing huge rides. You talk, we were talking about. We should say. I think we mentioned this earlier. We went for a two-hour ride before this chatting. Yep. You were talking about your hell weeks where you just literally like go somewhere and just ride, 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 ride for like a week. Yes. So you've done that kind of thing. But like how do you prepare mentally for – how do you prepare yeah. mentally for like the desert that's going to come 18 hours into this thing? Yeah. Well, the, 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 I think with the, with the desert, the, 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 the really challenging part of the desert is going to be the, the heat. And um, probably the one area that that des- circumstances hasn't – allowed me to have yet is normally in, a, in an Australian summer uh, you'd have you think you'd have a lot of great opportunity for searing heat but we've had a we've had a really wet and cold summer but um, it, you know I mean I have ex- I may not have experienced the extremity of the heat that we're going to experience on uh, the second and third and fourth or whatever days of RAM um, 
I, I have ex- my body. I have experienced it um, going across the Nullarbor Plain in, in temperatures of, of forty six to forty seven or eight degrees. But for the Americans out there, that's about a hundred, hundred and two, something like that. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think in Ram we're going to experience that plus more. Um, it's a real furnace, dry like heat. Um, but I also think that um, a lot of to do with the issue of heat is not so much you can't. Con- I don't believe you condition yourself to heat, but what you I think to to experience it is important so you know what it's like but the most important thing is your your hydration processes and that's where the pressure comes on to the support crew that you have to to be able to monitor you and just keep you hydrated and keep your body temperature core body temperature down as much as possible for as long as possible and that's where it comes back to the support the importance of the support crew um is massive in in ram and i know it's like as i said before i entered as a solo entrant but very much as a team event. My, it's just my role as, as the rider, but you've got each and every other person. I'll have seven in my support crew, and um, there's no question that when uh, this race starts, I'll be thinking it's us yeah. in this race, not me. You know? So seven in your support crew, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, there's other other teams have more. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's quite – because we're also constrained by the budgets. It costs a good, it costs a good sixty to 80000 uh, dollars Australian for a RAM campaign and even when we talk about it's just for, one, just for one RAM campaign but it's taken us three years to get here COVID was obviously uh, a, a prime uh, impactor on why it's taken us three years but uh, one thing I will say is that if I had have done RAM when I first was going to do it in uh, 2020 I reckon I would have got Polax completely I don't think I would have because what, what right. I've what I've experienced. A couple extra years to prepare to see what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Last year we did uh, Darwin to Adelaide with a with a loop around Uluru. Yep. Um, that was 3,777 kilometres. Um, that was the first time I actually had a support crew behind me, which is a new experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, things were going well for the first few days and then things suddenly, you know, this sounds like a very basic, stupid mistake. I had my aero bars positioned superbly on my bike for a uh, for a uh, forty-kilometer time trial. Absolutely the wrong way for a four-thousand-kilometer time trial because I was over in the aero position, yep. and then uh, at the end of day four, leading to day five, as we're getting close to the turn off to Airs Rock, um, suddenly I came down with Sherman's neck, is where. You just can't lift your head, yeah, which yeah. is an obvious disability in uh, cycling. Yeah. yeah, and I never experienced that before. No. Sherman's neck is named after a person in Ram, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Doctor Shermer. Yeah, uh, his first name I think is so Michael. Basically, you but, you've ridden for so long, you your head just yes. So like you, you've, I've seen like crazy contraptions where people are literally holding their heads up with oh, straps yeah. and things like that. I, yeah. uh, we tried that. There is a photo. <laughs> That my Thank crew chief, there's a photo. That my <laughs> crew chief, uh, Nathan Carter Roderick, and Nathan is my crew chief, and he's also a photographer, a brilliant photographer. I must add, he does a lot of our photo- oh, he does most of our photography. Yep. He, um, he, uh, we, we, we jimmied up a uh, one of those systems because we were, ironically, when we stopped, we were actually next to an abandoned roadhouse, which was just as ramshackled as I was at the time. And we used spare parts we found from the roadhouse to try and rebuild me. And it was, it was getting close to dark, and I hadn't ridden. The look was not good. Yeah. We do, there is a photo taken of me, and that may come out in the book. But <laughs> has never been shown publicly. But 
I thought, and I thought I was like this and thinking, and it's about to become dark. And I was saying, I haven't ridden with this stuff before and, and the risk of doing it in the dark. But yeah, and we weren't racing Ram. We were, we were trying to race, simulate Ram up to that point. And we decided, we spoke, we got on the phone, spoke to a couple of medical people. And basically the decision was made, look, the best answer is drive the next 50K to, uh, to the next roadhouse and I have a good solid sleep. And then, and then the rest of that ride, we had to deal with. We were off the ram pace, but it's still an opportunity to um, choose target points to do ram simulation. And also, then we were doing our power of the pedal campaign, connecting people, camp, connecting minds, which we'd advertised about to try and you know pr- promote mental health awareness. Uh, so we thought, yeah, you know, out of respect to that, we still had to continue for that too. That was one of our mandates. Ram, we don't have time to actually stop and talk and. Thing, but that's where we hope the message can still continue through through what we've already done. So, Ram, just to talk numbers briefly, like we said, 4,900 4, kilometers or so, 4,900 4, ish, mm. uh, 12 days. Mm-hmm. So, that's 40, what do we say, 4,400? 4, sorry, sorry, 440 kilometers a day, 400 kilometers a day. How much yep. is it? I mean, the simple mass, which yeah. makes it sound easy, is uh, if you ride for 20 hours a day at 20 kilometers per hour. You'll do 400 kilometers a day, and you'll finish in the time. So it's 400 kilometers a day. All right. Yeah. But there's a lot of variables, a lot of things that, you know, that… Wolf Creek Pass, among others. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing mountains, <laughs> yeah. deserts, yeah. wind, rain, uh, physical, mental health, not just of myself, but the uh, the support crew. Um, I mean, you mentioned today that, that at some point, the support crew, what you need them to be is mean to you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, um, it's not it's not a uh, it's it, Ram is definitely not a um, uh, a, a tourist ride through the Alps or something like that. It's and and the selection of your support crew is really you've got to have people who are close to you, people who you would basically put trust your life on, and when you come down to nuts and bolts, it's a. It, it comes down to a very close, finite process. There are process like when I started, there was I had a list of sixteen or so people, and people say that's a lot of people. I said, well, it's a long list, but that'll naturally come down through. And to be fair to people, like, when people first were expressed interest in joining for the for Ram, they didn't know it was going to take three years, right? So I understand that life changes for people. So there's their situations, their life. Changes they're not available. There's people who who and they wish they would still like to be a part of it. There are people who um, some people change their minds about it too. Yeah. We're all entitled to change our minds, and I'd rather that because the honesty of you know I'd rather people to be 100 percent into it. Um, there are people who, in the end, there were some people who couldn't come, yeah. or we couldn't bring. Uh, we we're very much constrained by the budgetary circumstances because. Yeah. Through one of our partners, our major partner sponsor, Wagner Roofing, um, they're, being, they're bringing the expertise and skill sets that we can get in to fit into the budget. You know, this is the cost of it's an American Roofing Company, right? Yes, yeah. based in uh, in Maryland, in Baltimore. If you are in Maryland and you need a roof, you better go to Wagner. That's what oh, we're saying. You'll feel safe under a Wagner roof. <laughs> but I think, I think. Uh, yeah, but you know uh, they're going to be a part of it, and actually one of the inspirational things for us is, you know, we're an Aussie brand, Aussie officially Aussie team. Yep. But half of our team is uh, is is American. 
and we're riding towards a home hometown finish. Yeah, that's I'm it's tapping cool. into that, mate. I'm <laughs> tapping into that. It's going to be cool because we're we're riding towards our sponsor's home area. What best? You know, there's going to be dark moments where I'm sure there's going to be dark moments where I will not want to continue. And this comes back to the to the nastiness in your crew you got to have. But one of the motivating factors, I'm I'll be riding towards home, and. Uh, Dean Yagush, the owner of uh, Wagner Roofing, he's on our crew, and a couple of his staff are on the crew. Uh, and I only see those when I see the, the look in their eyes when I'm feeling down. That's going to remind me to bloody get my ass into gear and yeah, get off. My, paid your way over. Get there. off my sad sack <laughs> issue. But also the the, the 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 Aussie crew. There's 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 myself. There's I was talking about Nathan Roderick Carter. Yep. Nathan Carter Roderick. Sorry. <laughs> People have these double-barreled names, you know. They get you every he time. He knows who he, he is. He knows who he is. <laughs> and uh, Anthony Gordon, filmmaker who's done, yep. who's who's filmed uh, Ram three times before. He's now on the crew, and he's been a part of the crew as well. So is Nathan and uh, Lizzie Smith, who's the social media manager and management uh, stakeholder manager. That's one year. And, and <laughs> but those three people, for example, they know Sorry, me. They know me better there. than anyone, and uh, they. Uh, I can tell you, each one of them, they'll give me a kick up the ass. Yeah. Uh, and they won't be nice about it. But that's what you – when you're at the bottom – when I talk about the bottoming out, yeah, there'll be times I want to I want to stop. Yeah. And they're going to have to put me – How do you – but how do you like – you're sitting here 10 days out. Yeah. You know that they're, you're going to want to stop. You know this. Like I have personally never entered an event that I knew I was going to want to stop at some point, like I, I just I've well, I'm not going to want to stop. Well, but like no, but you, but you probably will though. Like you, you will. No, I'm, uh, yeah, there you're, you're in. You you will be like, I do not want to continue. By which means you don't want to. You want to stop. I, I know there be moments where I'll I will think that I wish this could stop, but you know what? I know that I can't stop. So yeah, it's a conundrum. But you know you can't stop. But well, I was, I was, the question there was like, how do you prepare yourself for that moment? Like, do, do you? Do you think through it now, or do you? Well, very much so, because I know, because yeah. I know that the answer will be I won't stop. When I say stop, like, and I, you know, the, I mean, yeah, you know, obviously, you, you, if, if I have a crash and break my leg, or um, there's some intervention beyond my control, but you know, I, I, that's not going to be a, a reason. Would you keep not. going if you miss a time cut? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's also important to. To the investment of time and energy um, from not just the, the support crew, but every single person from sponsors and partners. From from I'll, I'll be thinking of people back home, you know, who the number of uh, the number of club uh, fundraisers we've had, you know, nice. And I've, and I've I've bored them incessantly about Ram. I'm training for Ram, and they've and they, and there's another, you know, but you know, with the with the continuation because of COVID. It's like three years in the making. Yeah, um, uh, I'll owe it to, to all of them. All the uh, people who've, who've contacted me on social media, I said before, the support from around the world. Uh, I, and I don't mean that. I'm not being flippant about yeah. it. I'm, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. But um, Speaking of which, if you're listening right now, yeah, remember, well, Instagram, was it Rupert.Guinness, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Rupert Guinness. Go drop a comment under the most recent post. If I can say one thing, I, I used to wonder about it before, just as a journalist. But you know, every person who sends a message, and it's really, I, I, it's really hard to 
answer everybody back. Yeah. But it, it really does make a difference. It oh, really, really does. And yeah. um, uh, there was years ago when I was just being a journalist rather than, do, you know, sometimes you think a little bit maybe cynically about the impact of, of that stuff, but I can tell you it does. And I wish there was an easy way just to answer every single person and, uh, and do that, but then I'd never, I'd never get on and move and do what you have to do. So if I can just say to everybody who has, who has uh, given a thumbs up or, or who, and a lot of people even give advice that a lot of it is, uh, you know, every, every word of it, you just can't respond to the advice. But yeah. I really appreciate advice because people are trying to help. And um, I just want to say a big, huge, massive thanks. And and I'll be thinking of that. So you can't you think of those moments when I think there's going to be a bottoming out and Michelle's intervention. I'll try and I'm going to tap into that. Yeah. Uh, another person I'm going to tap into is uh, uh, a very good mate, ex-rider Alan Piper. Yeah. Uh, wrote something the other day uh, on on Facebook for somebody, and it was about just about Alan Piper, who's always he was one of the people who was there when I first went to Europe. 1987 Tour of Flanders. He was the first person. He, he explained everything to me about what happened, and, and he was on the Panasonic team that didn't win under the Peter Post uh, management. And Peter Post was absolutely furious. They're all in his house, he, but Alan still gave the time to explain how all this happened. I arrived two weeks before. Didn't know. I didn't know. I knew nothing. I just went, "Oh my god!" I had no understanding. But Alan became a friend very quickly. And I think certainly in the cycling tips world, you know, a lot of I don't know you guys at cycling tips have really followed and had a strong attachment with Alan and and, you, and your readers. But it's 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 there's a po- there's a there's a story by you from the Tour de France three years ago about yes, Alan. Exactly. Yeah. If you go if you Google Alan Piper cycling tips, you will find it. Yeah. yeah. And we went to visit him at home, and uh, and um, we talk about suffering. He's gone through his own battle and the achievements he's continued to make. In his own battle, I'll be tapping into that because you know when I said how I've signed up for my yeah. suffering, Alan didn't sign up for his suffering, so uh, definitely I'll be into that. So Al, if you're listening to this at all, mate, thanks, buddy. You know, <laughs> love you to death, and uh, and I'll be I'll be I'll be thinking very closely about that, all those things. Yeah, you know. So I mean, there must be a couple dozen people that have touched this project like directly. Right, either financially or physically helping you, or I mean, the, the, just the, the the sheer number of people that that that, that stand I'd, I'd behind say more than something a, like this. Yeah, I'd, I'd say this. I don't think I'd be exaggerating if you're getting close to triple figures, even because you know there's people who've who've even like training camps. But the takeaway we've got the sponsors and partners have been massive help, but even people who've just offered uh, offered lifts. You know, when I went down to Jindabyne in the Kosciuszko National Park, I don't drive. Everyone, I don't know if people know, I do not drive. I have driven Rupert many places. <laughs> Including up the wall, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but when I had a, a training camp in Jindabyne, for example, uh, um, I really needed to get go down there to Jindabyne at the time, uh, both for personal reasons, but also I needed to get out of Sydney. And But I, needed, I was due for a training camp. This is not a hell week, by the way. It's not in these scheduled hell weeks. It was, a, it was nine days in the mountains by myself. I needed to be myself and I wanted to uh, – I guess I needed that isolation. Getting down there was a problem. Yeah. First person – well, actually, I'll give credit. Rob Arnold from Ride Media. Love, uh, Rob. And I, I just talked chatting to him and he said, I'll give you a lift. Just add it out, off, off the cuff like that. And, I, and you think, are you sure? You mean that? He goes, yeah, yeah, no. no. I used to go down to uh, 
Canberra anyway and a uh, good chance to catch up. He gave me a lift down. And I thought, wow, you know, like who? I mean, people do. Then I'm down and you said, how are you going to get back? I said, I don't know yet, but I've got to do my, have my nine days. I'll sort something out. And then next thing, um, uh, club mate of ours at East Cycling, Ray Bradbury, his name is. He offered, he offered off the cuff over a coffee saying, I'll give you a lift back. I remember saying, oh, I thought he was joking. How I long said, is this drive? Oh, down to Jindamine is a good five or six hours. He offered to drive down just to pick me up. Even just to pick me up on the day, I was going to need to go back. And, and he came down. I suggested he come down the night before. Then we can go for a ride together. Anyway, he came down and there was that. Um, uh, Frank Conceso at Albion Cycles. That, but that, that goes back 30 years plus. Like, yeah. he was a sponsor, you know, he's, he's on my left-hand jersey, just under the it. just under the Ram logo we on my jersey. You're sitting here in kit right now. Yeah, yeah. for a bike ride. And he, uh, he's been with me for 30 plus years. Our friendship is is like one that just evolved when I started covering cycling, and then little you know, he's the one who got me into his squad sessions. Yep. That for me formulated a discipline that I still carry through now, and I still do his squad. Um, you know, and that's but that's that's a relationship that, uh, like any relationship over duration, has its highs and lows. But uh, it's certainly been forged in, in in as a as a rock solid yeah. life thing. And without Frank, I wouldn't be here. So you're talking. That's why I think. Where do you draw the line of how many people are behind a, a campaign? I think it goes into the hundreds, Kaylee. That's amazing. Mm. It's really amazing. Well, we're at an hour. Is there anything else we didn't talk about yet? I mean, there's 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 so much like minutia of RAM that I'm really fascinated by that mm. I, I I would love to get into, but I feel like we don't, we'll have a three hour podcast at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but one thing I would like to say about RAM, I mean, you know, it's it's an event. You know, it's been held 38 years. When I first heard about it, it was in the 80s, because it was starting. I remember as, as working on winning, thinking, what a crazy, stupid event. These, these people are idiots for doing it. Cause I remember when, when, but I remember when the road cyclist, Jock Boyer, did it. Yeah. And then he won it because we had him on the cover of Winning Magazine. But one thing I would I'd just love to say, I'd just give credit to Ram for, for still continuing the event as they've had to through COVID. Um, and I think my respect for the event and understanding of the event and ultra endurance cycling yeah. is is has grown immensely, and and um, I think it just showcases. I think it's a credit to them that this. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's something in the American cycling history that should yeah. uh, really be recognised, if not uh, more, but at least we, you know. I I think its stature as an event is is huge. The challenge of it is massive, not just for the riders who finish, but the whole. Uh, embodiment of everybody who's involved in something, which is um, may sound crazy, but it's something about people achieving much more than they think they can achieve in learning. Not just the riders, but the support crews who get yeah. challenged and tested. And 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 um, just the other thing, I think it just reminds us me of, and I've thought about it. The divert what makes cycling so unique to other sports is the diversity that cycling really offers. Uh, at so many challenging levels compared to other sports. Cycling, you've got ultra-distance riding. You've got, um, I guess you've got the world tour circuit yeah. uh, in, in both men's and women's. You've got track cycling. You've got gravel racing. You've got mountain biking. You've got um, 
all the other elements of indoor cycling. You got unbound gravel this weekend. You got you got two that two hundred three yeah, three hundred and fifty miles of gravel in yeah, 20, yeah. 20, 20 hours or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And at all those levels you've got amateur professional, you've yeah. got um, the like the grand fondo style right. The diversity of cycling is so huge compared to other sports. And I just think I I feel so fortunate to have sort of discovered this genre of ultra racing. I'm not good at ultra racing. <laughs> And there's so many so, other people who are, who are much better than me at it, but I'm just very fortunate to be able to be at a point that I can do I'm these events. I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit on that. I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit on that because, group, I didn't know this about you for the first like five, six, seven years that I knew you, but you have a massive aerobic engine. <laughs> I'm a diesel. You're a big diesel, man. You mm. you are just over and out their nose. Roop will... You'll do well in this ram. I I um, I am confident of that because one, I just rode with you on a recovery ride, mm-hmm. and it was faster than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> oh, God, thanks for admitting that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, fair enough. And two, like like you said, one of your first sort of major endurance events was was an Ironman, mm-hmm. which you did quite well at, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah, you you, you haven't. You have an aerobic engine, so don't don't downplay yourself. Oh no! Please. No, yeah. the other thing, and, and I mean this out of respect to Ram as well. Uh, yeah, I'm not downplaying what I believe I can do in Ram. I, I, I mean, in respect to the, I don't un- underestimate the challenge of Ram. Yeah, and I know I know I've done the work. So yeah, I'll, I'll use a bit of confidence here now <laughs> if I can. I know we I've like done the confidence. work. I, okay. That's good. <laughs> I respect the event for what it what it is, and I'll never. Um, I don't take it as a, as a lighthearted event. I spent three years, my, the people who's, who's supported me have spent three years getting to this point. Um, I believe we're as race ready as we can be for this event. We can't, we don't know what the unexpected is, but that is inevitable. But uh, I, I, I do believe I've, I'm, I'm as fit, as strong as I've ever been in my life. And that's at 60. Yeah, I know that people say you get, you know, 24 or 25 or 30, I'll be stronger. But it's the average age of a of a Ram racer. I don't know actually, but I, I do. It, it, it is a it is a type of uh, uh, is a genre of cycling which does lean towards um, elder athletes. But I yeah. think that comes through the mental side of things. Not saying we're stronger than a Tour de France rider, but I think through yeah, your experience of, of life, through the experience of life, through the ups and downs and the uppercuts you get in life generally that I think that actually helps you deal with the pressures of ultra yeah. riding you know and um, saying all that I, I I believe I can not just I wouldn't say surprise myself but I think um, I do I think I believe I have it in that I think we have it in us as a team yeah for us to produce uh, a result that will um, will certainly uh, deserve a thumbs up at the end. I, I have that belief, and uh, me too. I know from my how I feel right now. I feel as as ripped and ready yeah. as I'll ever be. Not as I as I ever have been for anything I've faced in my life. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rube. I'm gonna cut us off, but but I'm gonna not, I'm not making any promises here. But I will be on the East Coast around the time that you finish. And I'm going to do my best to get down to Annapolis. I'm going to watch your dot, and I'm going to keep an eye on it, and I'm going to try to get down there because it's not that far from where I will be. And if so, can I get a podcast at the other end? 
Is that a... You most certainly can, Carly. <laughs> and I may even get you a, a VIP pass into the Wagner Roofing after party. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very hard things to get, but I know people. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Let's um, just to recap here, head over to Rupert Guinness on Instagram. We'll put something up on, on our site at some point before the race starts. Keep an eye on Rupert's dot. Uh, as Rupert said before, the comments, the comments help. We like the comments. Uh, you know, shoot him a note. Wish him good luck. And everybody here at Cycling Tips is wishing you good luck because we believe in you and we believe in what you've stood for for the last couple of years and all the things that you've done, all the things you've talked about and all the, the, just the difficult topics that you brought up that needed to be brought up. So, yeah, from myself, from all of CT, thank you, Roop, and we'll cut it off there. We'll, uh, maybe next time, if, if I don't get to Annapolis, maybe the next time we talk, we'll be back in the Tour de France and back to the normal podcast. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Anyway, no, thank you very much, Carly. It'd be an absolute pleasure, mate, as always. Thank you. Thank you.